Welcome to the NDS Safer and Stronger podcast. This episode, we are joined by Natasha Warren from Bailey House as she describes her team's experience dealing with a positive COVID case and some learnings Natasha and her team took from the experience. Thanks for joining me, Natasha. Thank you, Dylan. Now, would you mind starting off by telling us a little bit about Bailey House and what your role is within it? Uh, So Bailey House is a smaller uh, disability provider. So we're based in Brighton um, and we're a service for adults with an intellectual disability. So we have day programs, um, accommodation, short-term accommodation, after-hours activities, allied health, counselling and physiotherapy and positive behaviour support. So we have around 230 participants uh, that attend day programs uh, and I'm the general manager of the day program area. So we offer activities in four main streams. So we have uh, creative activities, um, activities in the live category, which is all about independent living and volunteer work experience, uh, learn, so certificate one courses and training such as Barista training, uh, well-being, so community-based exercise type activities such as gym and netball. Um, and we focus on opportunities in the community, skill building, goal attainment and outcome measurement, um, while also placing a big emphasis on social connections and fun. So I've been working in the sector now for over 20 years. That's incredible. Um, yeah, Bailey House sure does cover a lot of areas. Yeah, we're small, but we, we have a lot going on, <laughs> that's for sure. So before the positive case, um, what steps did Bailey House and the team take when COVID was becoming more apparent in Australia? Yes. So we had a very cautious and conservative approach. Uh, We closed our day programs in March and moved a lot of our activities online. And look, we were really surprised by how popular these activities ended up being. But we had a large number of people, I think 100 people all up out of our 220 um, participating in the online activities, which was a really great outcome. Then everyone who lives in our accommodation services, they've isolated, um, moved, you know, straight away in March. Um, So it's been a long time for them. They've been in lockdown pretty much since March and we're quite eager for DHHS to ease those restrictions so they can get back into day programs. Uh, We put a COVID safe plan in place pretty quickly, had all staff complete infection control training and we offered one-to-one supports on site um, for clients and families who are really in crisis. That's fantastic. As we discussed prior to this podcast, Bailey House actually had a COVID case. Yes, that's right. Upon noticing COVID symptoms in this particular patient, what steps did yourself and the team take for the safety of the client and of the staff? Yeah, so interestingly, the client um, is asymptomatic, so had no symptoms at all. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a background on what actually happened there. Um, so we, this particular client um, presented at day programs on, on a Thursday, was vomiting on site, and so we you know, quarantined and and then went through that procedure and asked if they could, um, the family could get the client tested. The, they were tested and we got the results on the Saturday that they were negative, which was wonderful. Um, prior to that, though, on the Friday, the family didn't let us know that the carer that was in their home had actually tested positive to COVID. They had assumed because um, their family member had got tested the day before that they didn't need to be tested and they were okay to come back to day programs. So they sent 
they sent their family member back into day programs on the Monday um, and both parents had been tested on the weekend. Then on the Tuesday, we got told, uh, we got a call saying, oh, sorry, we've actually just found out that um, both parents have tested positive. So they would need to come and pick up their family member. So that was quite frustrating, actually, that they had put us in that position, um, you know, sending somebody into the service when they were awaiting those test results and, and there really being a significant concern that they might be positive. Um, but that's okay. We, we quickly went into action. So um, we arranged for, you know, the client to be placed in the quarantine room and, and wait to be picked up. Um, and then we quickly asked, we, we did a little contact tracing ourselves and asked all the first and second level contacts um, to go home. And we asked the first level contacts to get tested at day three and day 11 um, as per our COVID safe plan. So this was not directed by DHHS. This is just something that we had decided on through our plan and something that we were comfortable with as an organisation. Um, and then we organised the deep clean of the building just for best practice. Again, a look at it cost a bit of money, but it gave us peace of mind that we had done the right steps just in case. Then due to both the parents having COVID, there were complications trying to organise for their family member to actually get tested. So, um, so the client went home on the Tuesday and they were not able to get tested until the Sunday. So we were kind of in that limbo of, you know, um, are more people going to get this? Is, is this going to be, you know, bad? But um, fortunately, we'd gone into action and we were, we, you know, we were pretty confident that we had done, done all the right things. Um, the, the, the client was tested on the Sunday and they did get a positive result. So fortunately, all of the first contacts, um, all their results were negative. And so we kept everyone home, even the second level contacts until that whole 14 day period was finished. And then we cleared everyone to return. I think initially there were some frustrations, you know, from families of the second level contacts that we had asked them not, not to attend. But again, we weren't moving on what was in our COVID safe plan and we were very comfortable with that approach. I think given the environment, it's better to be overcautious. Um, and thankfully, nobody else got it, which is a great outcome. That's fantastic. Um, but even though you had such a strong COVID safe plan, how did your staff react? Were they worried? I think they, they were shocked. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, it's never nice getting a, a phone call saying, oh, you know, there's a good chance that someone on site's got um, COVID-19. And so look, with our COVID safe plan, not in the moment, you don't have time to read through a big COVID safe plan. So we actually also have checklists as well that um, are handy for staff just to, to go through step by step. Uh, so they quickly got those out and they just went through everything step by step. And that really grounded their thinking in the moment of not panicking, not panicking everybody on site either. Because, you know, as soon as you say there's a potential case of COVID on site, understandably, the staff and the other clients might start to panic. So, um yeah, no, they were very level-headed about it. They followed their checklist. And it was interesting. They realised that there were some things on there that they might change for next time. So, so we did that. And some things that might needed to be added in and some more visuals and things like that. So it was a good opportunity for us to actually put the plan into practice and test it out. With something like that checklist that you were saying, is that something that you guys independently came up with yourselves or? Yeah, yes. We've got, <laughs> so we've got like a COVID safe action folder with a whole lot of you know different checklists for different parts of the organization because we're multifaceted so we've got one for a calm and one for our short term and one for our day programs just so we've covered all the bases um 
yeah, because there would be nothing worse than being in that situation and not have something covered off. So we, we tend to go over the top um, just to make sure that we've done everything really well and thoroughly. Seems to be the best practice. Um, what From uh, that experience, what would you pass on to other providers that were some of the things that you possibly added to your checklist and that you learned about the whole situation? Yeah, the, I think the checklists are a really good idea. I mean, we had been through the COVID safe plan with the staff a number of times, but like anything, unless it's a lived experience, there's only so much feedback that staff are going to give. So I think using it almost like a fire drill and, and doing some scenarios and actually using the, the plan on site is a really good idea. So it helps the staff or the managers feel really confident in the steps that they need to take so that if they are faced with a case that they're, they're not going to panic and they can just follow it step by step. We, we try to keep going through the COVID safe plan now too, because there's less cases. We don't want people to have to fall into complacency where they're not taking it as seriously either. I think there's a danger there with that now that things are opening up again, that this still is very serious and we'll still go to those great lengths of going down to the second level contacts, um, you know, regardless of what's going on. I, I think Providers need to be confident in their COVID safe plans and not reliant on DHHS. And I'm not saying that DHHS don't do a good job or anything, but I think um, there's a level of responsibility that providers ha have to take to ensure that, yeah, they're confident with their processes. So we're, we're really comfortable and confident with what we've got set up and it might be more than what DHHS recommends, but that's how we would like to do it. So it's, and it's not wrong. It's, it's just what you're comfortable with. That's perfect. I'll just add one more thing into just um, you can't always assume that the families are, are going to do the right thing um, either or your staff or, or your clients for that matter. So that, that's another reason to be have a very clear COVID safe plan because you can put out a whole lot of communications saying, you know, please don't attend while you're awaiting test results or don't attend if you've got symptoms or been around people with symptoms. You have to just assume that everybody is potentially infectious at all times um, in this environment, I think. It, especially with a case that the person is asymptomatic, which... Yeah, and lots of cases are asymptomatic. So interestingly, this client and, and the two family members, they were all asymptomatic. So, yeah, it's a wow. strange virus, <laughs> that's for sure. It is. Any other things that you would pass on to other providers? I know we touched on the learnings. and I think, I think through this NDIS period, we're all used to not sharing a lot of information. Um, we've become a little bit competitive, us providers. So I think it's really good to be able to share this kind of information and, and to share COVID safe plans and to learn from each other. It, it's only going to help each other as we move through this period, especially it's just so unknown. So reach out to other providers. I'm, I'm happy if people wanted to ask us some questions about our plan. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, it's, you know, it's great to, to connect with people and to share ideas and it just helps us become a stronger industry. And where can people go to learn about Bailey House's ideas and maybe even get into contact if they need? We have a website, so they're able to log on to the website and all our contact details are there. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Natasha, for coming on today and joining me. That's okay. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the NDS Safer and Stronger Project, you can visit nds.org.au. The Safer and Stronger Project focuses on supporting disability services in response to COVID-19.